We are learning Daf Ayin Ches. We're starting the new parak here. Parak Isha Shenaflu Lanachasim. Just a little introduction to the parak. We're going to be learning in this parak about Nitzim Melug. So Nitzim Melug, one of the most complicated uh, business arrangements in halacha. The reason it's so complex, it's not the concept isn't so weird, but when you actually get to some of the dinim, it actually gets a lot of complexity. Is that the woman it can have her own private assets even while she's married. Not everything has to be dedicated towards her husband. And things that she either inherits on her own from her father's family, and they come to her somehow. She doesn't have brothers, whatever it is. Even in that, even though it is unlikely, it's unusual, but it comes to her. And once it's hers, so it's hers. It's her principle. She's not giving it away to the husband. The husband doesn't commit to Christ and anything like that or something like that. But remember, the Ravonan gave the husband the schus to use the, 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 the land, to use, to use it properly. And I'm saying land. Land is always, we speak as it, about it like it's the best example. But Nutsumilok don't have to be land. Nutsumilok can be a Madazlan as well. And, he, and these, these properties, these assets belong to the woman, meaning the principle, what we call the Karen, belongs to the woman. But the payros, the right of usage, uh, the produce that comes out, belong to the husband. So in a typical case where it's a piece of land, so the land belongs to her, and she's the title owner on the land, but all the fruits that are gonna grow on the land who's going to cultivate and, and harvest them and eat them, that's all going to go to the husband. And remember why, we learned back in the fifth parak why the Rabbanan gave the husband such a right. It's because the Rabbanan said that in exchange for that right, that you, have to, that you get the produce in this unlikely case that she has the principle of the land and you eat the fruit, then if she's taken captive, you're going to have to ransom her. That's a chiv, that's, that's an obligation that the husband has. So this is the, the, the business arrangement. Now, there's another possibility here, is that whenever the wife would die, um, during the marriage, then the husband inherits her. That's Allah, whether it's Darais or whether it's Drabban and his Machlok is Danom. The husband inherits her and he inherits the Nuxim So that's already interesting. Why? He's not the owner of the Nuxim right? He just had the right to eat the fruits. But we say no, he inherits his wife's property and that's going to include that. So even though now it's before that, he stands to be a future heir on the property as well, on the principal. And then there's a third point. There's a third point, which is what we're going to focus on, jump in today, is that what if the woman tries to make a transaction? She tries to sell or give as a present. She tries to give her nifsim a look away to a third party. How, how, what's the husband's stance in that? Does he, is he just like a sheep in that? He's got to follow? I know it's weird. Somebody else is going to be the owner, but you're just going to, you're going to be able to block. You can't block the sale because you're not the owner. She's the owner. So you have a right of usage, but you can be, yeah, that she can go on, uh, on top of that and then sell it because she is the owner of the land. Or is there something stronger? Does the husband actually have a stronger hold on the properties because he has a, an automatic right of usage on them that he is uh, kind of like a silent partner, so to speak, on the asset and he can block any sales? And that's going to be more or less the discussion here in the parish. I should add one more introduction that all of these um, rights only come after the Nisuin. This doesn't come after the Arison. But nonetheless, even after the Arison, any properties which she owned, it's like almost like due to the husband when they get married. It's not shot that like out of left field when the marriage now occurs after the chuppah, now suddenly they come to him. The right to get them is there right away after the Arison. Just practically the right to use it will only be after the Nisuin. But the etzim right, the essential point that you have, a, you have a right to already, we see on some level coming Bishas Erison. That's a very important concept, if someone can question that, right? In other words, he doesn't have the right practically to eat the fruits until after the Nisuin, but we're gonna see that conceptually, there's an existence of the right already from the time of the Erison. So now the mission is just let's launch into it. A woman inherits property, right? She had coming to her, she had no brothers, whatever it is. 
before she became an Arusa. So it's her. She's a single girl and she owns a piece of land. And then, and this is all Ashla desires before she becomes an Arusa. And then we're self meant to understand from the Mishnah that she became an Arusa. So now what happens? Mod and Bishama the Basil here, everyone's on the same page. Bishama and Basil both together. She's allowed to sell them. She can give them away as a present. And the transfer will stand. So in other words, even though we're going to see Machloksim about if a woman tries to transact, Things that she inherits when she's in Arusa, if she transacts them when she's in Arusa, can the husband block the sale? We're going to learn about a dispute about that in a minute. But at this point, at this stage, something that she owned as a single girl, and now she becomes an Arusa, here everybody agrees that the husband's rights are not that, that strong. He he's not yet eating the fruits. Remember, that only comes after the Nisuin. And this was a property which was owned by the woman from before the Arusin was even done. So here everybody agrees she has the right to sell it, to give it as a present. The husband has no ability to stop such a transaction. However, if she first inherits the property after she's an already Arusa, so she's still an Arusa, but she here, the case number two is different in the sense that she only inherited the property here once she was an already Arusa. So now it's a dispute. Beishamai says she could still sell them. What's the rationale for Beishamai? Because the husband's right to eat the fruits is still not here. It's still in Ayerson, so as long as he doesn't have the right to eat the fruit, she is the sole owner. She doesn't really have a partner. We don't see there's anything stopping her from selling it. Basil says she's not allowed to sell them. What's Pshad and Basil? Pshad Basil is Pshad and Basil is, we're going to see more about this in the Gemara, but is that even though he's not practically eating the fruits now, but already any, any assets that fall to her while she's in Arusa, he has the potential right to. The right to get it after the wedding is already there. So therefore, if it comes to her, when she's already married to him, when she's already in Arusa, so then he already has somewhat of a hold on it, even though he's not practically enjoying the fruits, but he has somewhat of a hold that he should block a sale that would hurt his potential to use it in the future. However, everybody agrees that if it already happened, the transfer stands. So meaning, don't sell. What does that mean? It means if someone asked the basin, you know, oh, there's a deal that's being made, the girl is selling it, basin would advise the buyer, don't buy. That's the law, don't buy. The husband has potential rights to this asset because they felt her while she was already in Arusa and a husband is going to have rights after the, after the chuppah. So don't come and buy that field. But if no one asked the basin and she already sold it, then the transfer stands. Says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, we don't understand this. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, the Rabbi Yehuda reports the following dialogue. I don't understand what's going on. Once he was Zocha and the woman, she becomes his Arusa. That means he's like acquired her. It's like a, a schos that he has in the woman. Does he not acquire her properties as well? So meaning, what, what are we asking? If he, she's already his wife, he should, of course, have control over a Maluk property. So what he's bothered by is why are we saying that like, it's really hers. Now, the Gemara is going to clarify. Are we trying to say that she should be able to sell it? Or are we trying to... Meshameh said Timkar. Meshameh said Lo Timkar, but if she did, it's Kayim. So what's the question? Are we trying to ask why can't... Well, are we trying to say that the husband should be able to be motzid with the Evid? Or are we trying to ask why is Meshameh allowing her to sell it? But either way, there's definitely points here which sounds like she still is really the owner of this field um, that fell to her when the Shinnasarasa. And the reason is because they didn't do Nisuin. And Rabbi Yudah is questioning, Rabbi Yudah is saying, why is that? Lamaisa, he's already married to her. So why do we care so much that the Nisuin is not there? Now, it's a very hard to understand that question. Why is that a good question? He doesn't have the rights to eat the fruits. Right? It's a very simple answer. Yes, there's a Kenyan Kedushin, but we all agree that practically, the right to eat the fruits is only there after the Nisuin. So what's the question? Since he's already Zohar and the woman, isn't he Zohar in her property? Uh, practically, does he eat the fruit? The answer is no. So if he practically doesn't eat the fruit, what's so hard to understand that she, that, that she is the primary owner? So it's hard, to, it is hard. It's a very hard concept, but we have to get this idea 
that there's the practicality of using the fruits, and then there's the abstract that I have the right on this property. And then the abstract idea that I have rights in this property, really we see already from the time of Averson, even if it only comes out and manifests that I'm eating the fruits after the chuppah. So they were challenging, what's going on? Why is she considered the owner? If he's okay in her, why isn't he okay in her properties? So Amal Hemer, Gamliel responds, a very interesting response. He said, Considering new, new things, meaning properties that she first inherits after she's in Nisua. Imagine she's already the Nisuan, and then totally married, and then she inherits properties. What's the halacha if she tries to sell them? The halacha there is, the husband can block the sale. There, everybody agrees. The chasm which felt her when she was in Nisua, and then she tries to sell in Nisua, the husband can block the property. Zucker, Gamliel, we're embarrassed about that halacha. You know why we're embarrassed? It's hard to understand. In light, so it's true, but we're embarrassed to understand it. Meaning to say, the rabbi said that that's the law, but we can't really explain. Even when she inherits it when she's in a sua, and he has rights to the fruits, we have a hard time explaining why he can block the sale. At the end of the day, he only has rights to the fruits. She's the primary owner. She's the title owner. There, we're embarrassed about why, we, why the halacha is true that, she can, that he can block her sale. Now you want to impose on us by the old properties? You want to say that if there is a property that she inherits when she's in Arusa as well, the halacha should be that if she tries to sell it, the husband can, 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 can block it. Meaning what we're asking is, we have a hard time explaining when she inherits it after Nisuan and tries to sell it as a Nisuan that the husband can block the properties, can block the sale. That itself, we have a hard time explaining. You're trying to throw at us that you don't understand when the properties fell when she's in Arusa and she tries to sell it that the husband, that you want to say the husband should be able to block the properties? Like, leave, leave it alone. We have a hard time explaining Nisuan alone. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not so sure what the case is, but we'll talk after, okay? All right. So, so, so now the Mishnah, after the Gemara, the, the Mishnah works through this point that it's whether or not it's hard to understand about, case, about this case too, where it was felt or when she was in Arusa and she sells by it when she's in, Ar- when she's in Arusa. Now that we move on to case three. She only inherits the property after becoming an Asua. Here, everybody agrees. If she sells them, gives them away, the husband could block the sale, he could remove it from the buyer. Once he, again, it might be hard to understand, that's what Gamliel was saying, but Avada, once, it, once he has the practical rights to use the fruits, if she tries to sell the fruits, if she tries to sell the property that she inherits after an Asua, of course, the husband can block it. However, now we get a little bit complicated. Case four, Achelonesis Venesis. She inherited them before Nisuin. Whether or not before, whether or not before Arisun, it doesn't make a difference. The point is she inherited it before the Chuppah. And now Venesis, she became a Nisua. So now the husband's eating the fruits, but she had the but she had the, the karka before the Chuppah. The transfer stands after the fact. So meaning when do we say that the husband can block the sale if she inherited it first after the Nisuin? But if she inherits it sometime before the Nisuan and then she does the Chuppah and then she sells it, Rabbi Gamliel says, the transfer stands after the fact. So on this fact, we have the, again, uh, the, 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 the ruling is questioned. They said in front of Rabbi Gamliel, what's going on? She became his Nisuah. He's Mama Zoha and her. Right? It's a Nisuah here. So Lo doesn't he gain possession of the property? And here it's a little bit of a better question because it's after Nisuah. So who cares that she owned it before? Here, at this point, he did chopa, so he totally has the rights to the Paris. He mamish is eating the fruits of the land. She tries to sell them. 
he should be able to block it. Who cares that she had once owned it before the Nisuans? Again, we're embarrassed about the new properties. Properties that she inherited after the Nisuans. We have a hard time explaining why the husband can block the sale if she tries to sell it. You want to impose on us the old properties? Meaning, you want to say that even if she inherited it before the Nisuans, but if she tries to sell it after the Nisuans, he should be able to block it? So meaning... Leave that case. The only case where he can block it is where she inherits it after the Nisuin and she decides to sell it after the Nisuin. So let me try to go over their four basic points here in terms of the selling. There's a couple points that everybody agrees to. The easy cases. The easy case, the concept is if she inherits it after the Nisuin, so he's literally eating the fruit right now, and now she tries and sells the property, he blocks the sale. That's his right. He can block the sale. I have rights here. I'm a silent partner. Don't sell it without me. Okay. Everybody agrees to that. Things that she owned while she was still single, and now she brings into the marriage, but she's still only in Arusa, and she goes, she could sell it. She could sell it. The husband doesn't yet have the rights, and she owned it while she was single. No question she's allowed to sell it. Everybody's on the same page there. What are two points that are hard? If she inherits it while she's in Arusa, and she wishes to sell it while she's in Arusa, that's a dispute between Beishama and Beishama. Beishama says she may sell, Beishama says she cannot sell. Everybody agrees the sale is valid if she does. And the middle case, another middle case, which is hard, if she owned it before Nisuin, any point before Nisuin, and then she brings it into the, after the chuppah, and now she sells it. So here, we get a little complexity. We have it, we have it where, where, where Gamliel is saying the transfer is valid after the fact, and there are those who are struggling to understand why that is true. All right, now again, clarity in these halachas will emerge more and more the more we learn about the nature of Nachsim he says the halacha, whether or not the husband can block a sale depends on what kind of property we're talking about. If his properties that the husband knew about when he married her, then the transfer is void. Meaning we're talking about properties that she had um, that, she, that she brings into the new suit. Can the husband block the sale? It depends. If the husband knew about it, it's the type of things that he would know about she can't sell and he can block. She ain't doing lakol. If it's not properties that are known, she ain't doing the bow, that things aren't necessarily known to the husband. She can't sell, but the transfer stands. So we have to understand what are these two types of properties. And the Gemara will explain what these two types of things are. We'll have to see what, what in the world they are. What are properties that the husband knows of and properties that the husband doesn't know of? And why does that make a difference if he can block the sale? We will have to see that in the Gemara. So first we start off with a question from the Gemara. It was different about the first case in the Mishnah where she inherits the property before Arison. Everybody agrees there that she could sell. What's different about the second case where she inherits it after Arison that they disagree? If she inherits it while she's in Arusa and sells it in Arusa, could she sell it? Bishama says yes, Basil says don't sell. In the ratio where she owned it as a single girl and then brought it into the Arison, what did the Mishnah say? Everybody agrees that she could sell. What's the difference? In the first case, when did it fall to her? It fell to her when she owned herself, when she was under her own jurisdiction, before Arison. In the Sefer, they fell to her only when she was already in Arusa. So it makes a difference when it falls to her. Says the Gemara, if you're going with that, if the point is that it fell to her after Arison, it's already considered under his jurisdiction because it's after Arison when, when, when he has the potential right to eat the fruits, not practically yet, but the potential. So, so why B'dievet does it stand? Meaning Basil is saying don't sell a chatchila, but B'dievet, if you sell it, it, it's valid. If you're making the argument that the properties fall after Arison, are, are falling into his jurisdiction because he has a jurisdiction over the property already after Arison. So then Basil should take it further. He should say that she, he can block the sale even with the other. We don't, we don't say that. Basil is only saying she shouldn't sell. Why is it only then? So the Gemara has to change its answer a little bit. In the ratio, there's no question. It's certain 
that it's her own jurisdiction. If she, if she owns it while she's a single girl, it's certainly under her own jurisdiction. So that's why she could sell it at a later point. Until the husband actually owns the fruit, she can sell it. Seifa, when does it fall to her? When she's in Arusa, what is the status of an Arusa? It's a suffix. You could say it's under her jurisdiction. You could say it's under his jurisdiction. Why is that that it's a suffix? What do you mean it's a suffix? So I say here the vart. It's a lamdish vart. Ad kama the erisin will lead to an isuin, then the properties are falling to the husband's jurisdiction already now. But in the event that the erisin is terminated and there never is an isuin, then right now the properties are really under her jurisdiction. What? So which one is it? Which one is right? To be determined. We don't yet know in the Arisin what is the jurisdiction at this moment. It's falling the properties to her. Is she by her husband or is she by herself? It's yet to be determined depending whether or not there's going to be a chuppah. So because there's an element of doubt whether or not the husband is considered a partner at this point, that's what Vitzil is saying. Don't sell because it might be under the husband's jurisdiction. Whereas Evid, if she does sell it, then it is valid. So we're saying a really interesting idea. Now when idea already starts to crystallize in front of us. Of course, the husband only eats the fruits after Nisuin. But on the tzad that Nisuin was going to happen, then really he has the essential right to the property already from the Arisen. It's a suffix in that situation. So properties that falter when she's in Arusa, it's a suffix if they're falling to her husband with their rights. So therefore, the chachila don't sell, but with the evidence she does, it is valid. However, this is again important to remember, properties that she had when she was in Arus, before she was in Arusa, and then she does Arusin. So there we say it was already certain that those were considered her properties. Now it's a suffix if the husband's gaining rights on these. Eh, mei we should see up that suffix. We say that everyone agrees that lechatchila, she can sell the property. All right, then what happened? Rabbi Yudha said, I don't understand. If he's Ilkha in the woman, why isn't he Ilkha in, in the property, right? So what, 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 which point was he arguing? Is he going on Bishamah's din that she could sell the Khatrila? And he's saying, how could she sell the Khatrila? He was, he was Ilkha in the woman. He should be Ilkha in the property. He should be able, the halacha should be that she can't sell the Khatrila. Oh, Adi Evid, is he going on, on Beitzul said? Beitzul said that if she sells Bidi Evid, it's good. And Rabbi Yudha is saying, why is it Bidi Evid good? He was Ilkha in the rights. So which one is Rabbi Yudha arguing on? So the top of the base, Tashma, the Tanya, Rabbi Yudha, I'm in front of Rabbi Gumbil, said in front of Rabbi Gumbil, both in Nisu and Arusa are both his wife. So what's the difference? Just as this one sale is invalid, just as properties that are inherited to an Nisu and she tries to sell, the sale is void. So too the sale that an Arusa inherits and then she tries to sell should be invalid. So clearly we see he's trying to say that the sale shouldn't be good. We're embarrassed about the new properties that you get when she's in a sua. We don't fully understand why the sale is void. You want imposing us the old properties? We see from the exchange of the price though that Rebuda was questioning why be the evid the properties she inherits as an arusa and sells as an arusa. Why be the evid is it valid? We should say that after the fact it is no good. He was in it. No, that's what we see. And again, what's the response? The response is we have a hard enough time explaining what the din is after nisuin. And I think just again, just to give a little bit more clarity, again, we're gonna see more about that. But the basic point is, is that after all is said and done, the husband only eats fruits. That's all he eats. He's got nothing about the title ownership at any point. It's a really hard halacha that he can block a sale. He, he just has the right to eat the fruit. You'll eat the fruit, whoever the owner is. But his obligations are clear cut. Correct. After the, exactly. That's what makes him part of this hard, is that it's after the nisu, and if she gets ransomed, if she gets captive, uh, taken in captivity, he'll ransom her. But the question is, what he has from her, which is the right to eat her properties, he has the right for the fruits. We're saying there's a halacha that the things that she inherits after Nisuin, when he's eating the fruit, he can block the sale. We're saying we struggle with that. That's like a hard halacha, but we accept that. And basically our point is, like, leave it to what it is. 
But anything that's there from before, even though in Nering Erisin, again, we do look at this lumdus that he kind of has the rights on it already, at least Misafik. But the block of sale, we, don't, we, don't, we say, you know what, leave it to the hard parts, leave them where they are, don't impose more on us. Shmami no, we learned from there that Rebuda was going on the Bidiyabit. So now the Gemara gives us a continuation of that prize. Tanya, it says in the price, so here Rechanina ben Akavya is going to give us a different exchange of what the dialogue between the Rabbanan is. He has a different version. This is not what told the Rabbanan. This is what Rechanina told them. Again, what are the Rabbanan bothered by? The same way he can block the sale after Nisuin, why can't he block the sale by Erisin? Wasn't he Zochet? So Rechanina said as follows. Lo, no. If you say regarding Nisua that the sale doesn't go through, after Nisuin, the husband has a lot of rights in her, to her, her, all of her findings, her earnings, the right to annul her vows. There, 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 there's a lot more schlossim after Nisuin. Tomer Barusa, you're going to say the same thing for Arusa. He doesn't have all those entitlements at the time. He's not entitled to all those things while she's in Arusa. So, meaning, so add this to the list, basically. The same way the husband can't be made for an Adarim and take her earnings and, 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 and her findings while she's in Arusa, maybe he can't pluck the sale when she's in Arusa. What is so hard to see a distinction between Arusa and Azua? Very curious that there was a much simpler answer which is left out, that the husband only eats fruits after the Nisuan and they're not Wild Erison. Like, you would think that the eating of the fruits should be the best argument for the distinction why you can block the sale only after Nisuan, not during Erison. Very interesting that that's conspicuously absent. He brings other schism that the Baal only has after Nisuan and not after Erison. But at any rate, that was his explanation. So Amalola Ham said, Rebbe, Machalashalon, he says, you answered us very good if she's selling the property before she becomes an Asua. Okay, you're saying very good. Since practically he doesn't have many of the rights now, so then he can't block the he can't block the sale. But what happens, and this was the last case that we spoke about in the Mishnah, what happens if she inherits it before Nisuin? Whatever, while she was single, while during Erisin, either way. And then she does Nisuin, and then she sells. What's the halacha? This is a hard case, because at this point, the husband does have all these rights. He does annulling the vows. He is taking her earnings and findings. He does eat the fruits. But she owned the properties from before. What is the law in that case? Could she sell, or is the sale null and void? Amalu, he said back, She could sell. The sale is good. Even though now he's eating the fruits, since she owned this property from before, she could sell. So they jumped on that. If he owned possession of the woman, he owns her now after Nisuin. Why isn't he gaining property? And why isn't he gaining the properties as well? And here, like he's even eating the fruits. What's Pshat? So that's where he said back, where she first inherited it after Nisuin. We have a hard enough time explaining. We're ashamed why the sale is void. Again, it's a hard idea because all he has is the fruit. So why is he ever blocking it? You want even more? So what we're saying is, is that in the case where she inherits it after Nisuin and then she sells it, that's the only case where the sale is null and void. And that's hard enough to explain as is. Don't add more cases. So in this price, so very interesting. What are we coming out? That properties that a woman had before Nisuin, if she goes to sell them after Nisuin, what's the halacha? She could sell them. Rabbi Gamliel is saying that she could sell them. And the whole halacha that, that the sale cannot be done is all when properties she inherits after the Nisuin and she sells after the Nisuin. Okay, great. However, the Gemara now points out that there's a stira between this Braithsaw and our Mishnah because the language of our Mishnah was Vanantanan, who said in our Mishnah, Achalonisis, when he says, she inherited the property before Nisuin and then she becomes a Nisuin. If she sold them or gave them away, the transfer stands. What's that language indicating? That it's only a Bidiyavid that if she sold it, the transfer stands. Lechatchila, the woman should not sell properties after Nisuin, even if she had them before the Nisuin. 
So, so we have a contradiction. What is Rabbi Gamliel's opinion? Properties that were there before Nisuin and now it's after Nisuin, she goes to sell them. Is it Lechatchila that she could sell? That's the way the Bryce implied. Or is it only Vidiyavit that the sale stands? That's the way the Mishnah implied. You're right. You have to change the gears of the Mishnah to read like the Brisa that she may lechatchila sell them or give them away. It's actually a machlokas, and you can see the machlokas in the Mishnah itself. Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Gamliel, felt it was only b'diavad, and the end of the Mishnah holds that it's even lechatchila. So basically, what we're saying is, you're right. There's taka machlokas. There's an inconsistency because there's a dispute. If there's properties that were owned or the woman before Nesuin, and then she brings them into the marriage post chupa and she wants to sell them, so so according to Rabbi ben Akavi, according to Rabbi Gamliel, she can sell them lechatrila. According to Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Gamliel, it's only b'diavid that it stands. Fred the Gemara, an obvious question. Rabbi ben Akavi can be shamai. So it comes out Rabbi ben Akavi should only be like shamai. Why? Why? What are we asking? What was the machlokas in the case of shamai still? properties that she inherited while she was in Arusa, and she wants to sell as she's in Arusa. Okay, she inherits them as in Arusa, she wants to sell as in Arusa, even there, it's before the Nesuin, that was the Machlokas. Beishamai said, sell the Chathila. Beishil said, don't sell the Chathila, but the evidence stands. We explained the Machlokas, that Eris and we look as it's like a doubt, it's like a Suffolk if he has the rights. Beishil says, the fact that there's a possibility that he already, she's already under his jurisdiction, means that the Chathila don't sell. Here, what's our case? She owned them before the Nesuin. Now she brings them into the Nisuin. Here you're telling me, according to Gamliel, that Lechatchila she can sell it. How could this be better than an Arusa selling her property where Lechatchila she can't sell it? So, so, so the only way to understand it would be that he's going like Beishamai, that an Arusa can Lechatchila sell. And then he's saying that even if, she, even if now she's in Nisuin, she, but, but she had them from before, she could sell. So he's only going like Beishamai. You're right. He's only like Beishamah's opinion the way it was recorded, but he would tell you that actually you got it wrong. And Beishamah and Beishamah never disagreed about this matter. He's saying you just got the facts wrong. Beishamah and Beishamah all agreed that properties that were owned by the woman before Nesuin during Erisin can lechatchila be sold. Beishamah never said lechatchila don't sell. There is no such Beishamah. So then he takes it one step further and he says that even now it's post Nisuin, but if she owned the properties before the Nisuin, she could lechatrila sell. So we're getting really fundamentally opposed opinions here, very different opinions. We're having one opinion of Beisham and Chanina ben Akavah Gamliel that Beisil is on the same page, that the only thing your woman's not allowed to sell are properties that she inherits post Nisuin. Anything else, any other properties, except for that one case, things that she inherits post Nisuin, she could always lechatrila sell. Any properties that she owned before the Nisuin, even though it's at post Nisuin, she could always go ahead ideally and sell them. The husband, the, the husband can never, has, never has the right to say, I don't want that. She owned the properties before she came in. The only thing that the husband can do, can, can do is properties that she inherits. Once she was Nisuin, and those fall to the husband as well, there the husband has the right to block the sale. That's the only halach. Other people are saying very different. The version we have is that when a woman is, it, it falls to a woman as an Arusa, even already at that point, when she's selling it as an Arusa, she shouldn't sell it. And maybe B'di'evit, it, it stands because he's not eating the pears. And maybe B'di'evit, it could stand if there were properties she owned before the Nisuin and she sells post Nisuin as well. Maybe B'di'evit. But Avada, those two cases, she should not sell. Fine. Now, the Gemara gets a Psaq. Rabbi Shmuel, Dami Chavayu. Look at the Psaq from Rabbi Shmuel. Whether it's properties that befell to her before an Erisin, or they fell to her after Erisin. But, if she subsequently became a Nisei, so meaning she's bringing in properties to the Nisuin, 
whether or not she inherited them when she was single or she inherited them when she was in Arusa. The husband, even B'dieva, takes them away from the buyers. So here, he's going mamish the other way. At any time a wife sells after Nisuin, any property, even if property she inherited from before, the husband blocks the sale, even B'dieva. So try not to get confused. Because think about it now, just for a second, try it, one second. There are three possibilities about this case. Where a woman inherited before Nisuin and sells after Nisuin. What is the law? Three possibilities. Rabchanina ben Akava, Levitur Gamliel says, L'chatchila, she could sell. She owned these properties before Nisuin. The husband can, has no right to tell her not to sell the property. The moderate opinion of Gamliel, Levitur Gamliel says, L'chatchila, she should not sell. But but the evidence she sells, it's fine. Now, Robin Shmuel are paskening that if she, not only should she not sell, but even with the evidence she did sell, the husband can take it away from the buyers. Correct. This is all she sells after Nesuin. So, after Gemara, come on, the local Rebbe, the local Shmuel can't make up an opinion that's not like the Tanon. So, after Gemara, even the Gemara, they're going like our teachers. We have an upright, so our rabbis added, so whether the property's filter is a sinkhorn or, an, or is an arus of anises, if she subsequently became an asua and she's selling them after the chuppah, the husband can take them away. So we get three opinions from it, and the, and the psaq that we hold is that once the husband practically eats fruits, once that's practical, he could block a sale even with the other. Okay, so we're coming out very interesting. In the case where she inherits properties after Nesuin, they clearly fall to the husband as well. Everybody agrees she, he can block the, the sale and take away me out of the If they, she, the woman had the properties from before and now there's Nesuin and the husband's eating the fruits, but they only came to him after Nesuin, but she inherited the property from before. What's the halach? Three opinions. She could sell. But the evidence good, but the chatchila not. And Rabban Shmuel going to the chayrim that even with the evidence, the husband can block the sale. Continues the Gemara. She inherited the properties after becoming Nesua. That's the one case everybody agrees. We're all on the same page. That if she sells them, the husband removes them from the buyers. So, Remember, this is, the, by the way, the concept that's, as we kept on saying, we're embarrassed of this. This is the halacha we're embarrassed of. What do we mean again we're embarrassed? Is that it's the hardest thing to explain. What's the concept? The husband only has fruits. The right to use. So if all he has is the right to use, what's pshat? He is blocking the sale. So what we see is that it's a takana of Usha. Usha was one of the places where the Sanhedrin moved post Yavne. And there were famous takanas that were made in Usha. And this is one of them. They enacted a takana in Usha. If a woman sells her property in her husband's lifetime, if she subsequently dies, the husband can remove the property from the possession of the people who purchased it. Meaning, the husband, all he had was the, right, the fruits. right? So ostensibly, if the woman sold it, the woman sold the principal. So now if she sold the principal and now she dies, who, who gets it? So the husband says, hey, I was supposed to inherit the land. We say, very good, that's because she was the owner. But if she sold it, they're the, oh, you only have the right to eat the fruits. So you could eat the fruits very nice, but once, once, once she's dead, and now I want to know who owns the title of the land, that's the purchases, the purchasers. Say Usha, no, the Takana Usha is the Baal. Since he was eating the fruits, he's considered like a partner to the land. And he is the automatic first purchaser metaphorically purchaser of the land, meaning he had automatic rights to the land. And in case she's not considered the title owner of the land, he's automatically the title of the owner of the land. And therefore, if she sold it and then she dies, the purchasers are not the owners. The husband is the owner as the inheritor of the land. He's like an automatic uh, partner on, on, on the actual title. 
Why is that? Because he had the right to eat the fruits. That's the hard takana. All he had was the right to eat the produce. But the right to eat the produce isn't stam as chus in the Paris. It's a right to be the first owner of the land as well. Could they buy it off him? But he doesn't have to sell it. Yes, yes, yes. And we're going to see about that. Hold on one second. But we're seeing here a, 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 a little bit of a stronger point, which is they spend money and they paid her. And now she dies and he says, tough luck, guys. I, this land is mine. I'm doing whatever I want with it. I'm doing whatever I see fit. I want to sell to somebody else I could. How is that? They bought it. He only had the right to the fruits. Teretz is, no, the, the schluss of the Paris in that the husband has, they were like strengthened it in Usha. And they said that gives you like a din that you're the first you're the first person to be the owner of the land, if not the woman. She can't sell it and make somebody else the owner. And now after, after she dies, they're the owner. Not true. The husband's always the automatic owner. So that's the pshat. That's the only way to understand our Mishnah. That's what the Mishnah is saying as well. What's the Mishnah saying? If, if she inherits property, he's posting to and she sells him. The husband blocks the sale. Why is he blocking the sale? Must be this idea. Because he is the right to say, I'm going to be the first title owner, if not the wife. Dr. Kumar, and this is your point, Matt. No. What did our Mishnah mean that he blocks the sale? Maybe it means all in regard to the produce of the land. While she's alive and he has his close payrolls, you can't make it the, the field go to someone else and undermine my close payrolls. So I make the sale void, meaning that I take away the payrolls. That's all it means. I nullify the sale means I have a right to go to the purchaser and say, those are still my fruits. You might have bought the deed and you are the title owner and after my wife dies, you're, you have it. But, but right now, those are my parents. Maybe that's all the Mishnah meant. said more. The Takana Vusha said, since he has his close payros, he has a right to block the sale even from the title ownership that after the woman's out of the picture, the woman died, the husband is the one who owns it. So from the Mishnah itself, you wouldn't have known that. From the Mishnah itself, you could touch up this that it means the sale is null and void might mean only that he has the right to say those are still my parents. But Klape, after the death of the woman, that he's the one who owns the land, that's only something which comes from the Takana Vushu. But we already start understanding the concepts. We understand the shame. It's a very hard concept. Are we going to say we don't get it? Oh, well, there's has a right to have a Paris. He, the owner is a woman. Why can't she sell it? But we start seeing the ideas. The ideas are, is that it's not a stam supposed to eat the Paris. It's much more. The source of the Paris guy made him more of a, of a primary owner of some, on some level of the field. Things that fell after Nisuin certainly are like that. The question is things that fell from before, how we look at that. That's not so posture, the three stud and back and forth. Even though maybe that is Damas close pairs, but doesn't is, isn't considered primarily is. All right, we just finished off. Rabbi Shimon was machala between different properties. Properties known to the husband and properties which weren't known to the husband. So um, so what was going on? Like we're talking about like in certain cases, whenever it's lachatrila, don't do it, but the Eved, the sale's void. Here Rabbi Shimon says it depends what type of property. So what does that mean? What are properties known and what are properties not known? Known properties are land. Unknown properties are movables, right? Usually there's public knowledge about land, but not about uh, the movables. So the husband was aware at the time he married the wife that her ancestor, somebody owned land and that he was marrying in knowing that he was going to be entitled to eat the, the, the produce on that. So therefore, we assume it was like coming in a die to the hachi with that mentality. And that's why he can block the sales. Whereas if it's movables, he probably wasn't thinking about it and therefore he cannot. 
what does it mean? The woman lives here, the properties felt her as an inheritance from overseas. So meaning since the ancestors lived far away, we assume the husband wasn't aware of that. He didn't marry her with the expectation of being able to use them. So basically, according to, according to Rabbi Shimon, the point is, whatever the husband came in with the expectation of usage, that's where he could block the sale. Things that he didn't come in with the expectation of usage, he cannot. We see that definition in the him. What is unknown? She lives here and the properties are falling to her from some place overseas.